Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two passages, John chapter 4 and Mark chapter 2. John 4 and Mark 2. Again, Pastor Dave did an incredible job, man, last week. If your heart is not stirred up to minister uh, to the broken and to the needy and to the orphan, man, you need to go back and listen to that message again, man. Uh, God moves so powerfully. I'm so excited about all that God is doing. And the reason why it really touches home is because this is a season of harvest. This is a time where God is moving and there is an opportunity to see meaningful, effectual change come into people's lives. Now, uh, what happens usually um, in, this, in this season is that people get distracted. We get distracted by all of the, the shopping, Okay. But Black Friday should have reminded you about the harvest. Because you go to some of them stores, then people need Jesus, okay? I don't go there. That's not why. That's not why. I don't know if they're still doing it, if they're trying to. I, I think a couple of stores still do some specials that have it. They're on a time frame, right? Like you gotta you gotta sell your soul to for a TV for $400 or something. I don't know. And you got to get up really early and you got to stand in line. You got to get a ticket. There's only a limited supply and there's only a certain time where you can get the absolute best deal. And you got to be there or you're not going to be able to take advantage of it. Okay. All of you understand that. Well, in the spiritual realm and even in the natural realm, harvest is much like that. Harvest only happens during a very short season, a very short time. All of the other times of preparation and growth and, and uh, early rains and latter rains, all of that, that takes a long time. Harvest is the shortest season. And I want to tell you that today, church, you need to be awakened to this fact. Don't be, don't be going to sleep in our culture right now thinking, well, it's just Christmas time. We're just going to go through the motions, get through the holidays, visit. We're going to eat and we're going to give some gifts. And, and I'll pick back up in my spiritual life in January. You know, I'll, I'll make a resolution to get closer to Jesus in two, 2022. No, don't do that. Why? Because if you know the season that you're in, then it will determine how you behave in that season. So if you know that God is changing lives right now, you're not changing course because of a holiday that's coming or what we're doing culturally. I'm here to tell you and repeat to you. Uh, I, I spoke a message a couple of weeks ago about the harvest out of John 4. And this is where Jesus said these words. Do you not say? He's like, I'm not saying it. But do you not say it's four more months and then the harvest? He said, behold, I say to you, John 4, 35, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. This is what God is saying. He said, listen, you're going to miss your moment if you don't take advantage of what's right in front of you. If you don't get your eyes off of yourself, you don't look for opportunities and live as that person who says, God, I want to I wanna know how to live in this season of opportunity to see you do great things in a region. I have to announce it until it gets into your spirit. Harvest is now. 
You say, what is harvest? You may be here today and you don't, you don't have a relationship with God. You say, what is harvest? Harvest is when we are seeing, it's a metaphor, referring to when many people come into relationship with God through Christ. And we're seeing it happen in a multiplied way where people aren't just attending church, but they're having a genuine encounter with God and their lives are being transformed by Christ's suffering on his cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And here's what we're seeing. This is a great time of people turning to the Lord and getting free. That's why we are saying the harvest is now. But Jesus had to say to his own disciples, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. Lift up your eyes. And I say to you, church, lift up your eyes and look. Look. Lift up your eyes and look. Why? Because God's moving and the church is growing. And I want to, tell you, I want to speak to both the church today and those who don't have a relationship with God. Speak to two people, a message called lifting up and letting down. Lifting up and letting down. It's out of Mark chapter 2. And if you're a person here that's a believer, there's, there's a lot for you to grab hold of in this message. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you too will find yourself in this story. And hopefully you will find yourself at the feet of Jesus by the end. Mark chapter 2, we're going to begin in verses 1 through 2. And it says this again. He entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. This is Jesus. Then he came to him. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes uh, were sitting there and reasoned in their heart, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I'm here to tell you today, we are seeing this unfold right before us. But I want to I I uh, use the, the, the analogy that Jesus uses when he speaks of the harvest. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but what does he say? The laborers, they are few. There's few laborers. And I want us to grab hold of some truths as believers in this place so that we can know how to labor well, so we can know what we need to be doing in this season of harvest. Let me give you a couple of points from this passage. First things is this, laborers lift together. Laborers lift together. 
Mark 2, 3 says, Then they came, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Not one man, not two men, not three, four men. The Bible doesn't put anything in its, there's nothing contained within the passages that isn't meaningful and there and can actually transform the way that we think. We as the church have been attacked like never before. There is an onslaught trying to keep us apart. Why? Because if we would ever learn to stand together, we would see Jesus move in people's lives that cannot help themselves. Have you ever tried to move a paralytic? Oh, some of you have, your parents. You have. You know, there is a case of instant paralysis. It's when you tell your children to do something they don't want to do. You're going to take a shower, young lady. <gasps> Legs stop working, they fall to the ground. And suddenly, this, this 45-pound human being becomes impossible to lift. This isn't this message, but sometimes they just need a little external motivation. <laughs> but they're paralyzed, and, and, and the weight is, it's all down, and you're, you know, at this point, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be good to have some help. Have you ever tried to invite somebody to church? No, I'm not talking about a child. I'm talking about an adult. And I don't want to go. And they're just, you're just trying to lift them. Trying, can't do it on my own. What if more of the church would stand together? If we didn't care about the name that's on the sign and we just cared about the kingdom of God and there was not one but two but three but four believers for every unbeliever trying to lift somebody out of their paralyzed state, unable to help them. They're broken. They can't lift themselves. They're paralyzed. But church, we cannot say yes to being divided. We have to be saying, yes, I'm going to run with some people. I'm going to find some people who will labor with me, who will reach out to the broken people that I see. Uh, listen, we need some young people who some say, man, I'm going to run with some fire baptized people in my school. I'm going to run with some people who know Christ. Who say, man, if I can't lift them, maybe two of us or three of us or four of us can actually make a difference. Look at what the scripture says. The scripture says our capacity to meet needs is multiplied when we labor together. Leviticus 27, 7 through 9 says, You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look favorably on you and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant. He says, if you would just get five people, maybe a hundred people would get set free. He goes, and oh, if I could find a hundred people who would stand together, you could see a massive multiplied harvest. That's what God says. Why? Why? 
He goes, because I will bless you when you stand together. That's what Psalm 133 said. It's the place of commanded blessing. There, he goes, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For there, I have commanded blessing. Read Psalm 133. You'll find out that when we stand together, there will be synergy. There is what you could do on your own. But when you stand with other brothers and sisters and say, man, I've got a part to play, but we need to play it together. We're going to have a multiplied blessing come into our life. There is a power that's released when we labor together. Matthew 18, 19 19 and 20 says this. After Jesus tells us we have the keys of the kingdom, he says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, talking about prayer, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. He's saying, listen, if you would just agree on something, if you would get together and begin to do something with your brothers and sisters, he goes, I will show up. Listen, church, the glory of God will show up in a church that stands unified in pursuing God, pursuing his heart, and loving the people he wants to reach. God moves when we lift together, which leads me to my next point, and that is this. Laborers lift again and again and again. Yeah, not a lot of amens on that point. Yeah. (laughs) Laborers lift again and again and again. When you're working God's harvest field, isn't it? It's not a just, hey, I tried that once thing. No. We lift again and again. Let me show you the three times that these four men lifted this paralytic. There's three times here. First, they lift him from where he was left. They lift him from where he was left. Mark 2, 3 says, then they came to him. Did you hear that? They came to him bringing a paralytic. They came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Notice what they didn't say. Hey, you, paralytic, don't you know that right down the road here, Jesus is close? Wouldn't that have been an unrealistic expectation? I'm just here to tell you today that most of the broken people in this community won't wander their way into the service. They won't wander themselves into the church. Let me just say what the four men did. These four guys got together. And they had heard. They were in Capernaum, a little fishing village. This is a place where Peter lived. Jesus showed up. His mother-in-law was sick. His mother-in-law is sick. And I know, I know Peter was not happy that his mother-in-law was sick because now he's having to do her chores. Jesus comes into Peter's house. He heals her mother-in-law. The fever leaves her. She gets up immediately and begins to serve everybody. 
What happens next is news of that healing gets out in Capernaum. They go to the synagogue, which is actually about a stone's throw away from Peter's house. And there are so many sick people brought because a mother-in-law got healed that now word is getting out to surrounding region. Jesus had healed everybody. So these four guys must have heard word about the miracles going on. And they're like, do you know about that one guy who is broken? He can't walk. He can't help himself. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Boy, I'm waiting for the day where the church stops expecting the broken to come to us. And we dare to love and go and find them where they have been left by sin, left by circumstance, left by betrayal, and left by life. We need some people who actually have heard of the goodness of God to get up from where they are, walk together, and go and grab some people who are so far down they can't help themselves. Now, that was the first time they lifted him. You ever tried to carry a grown man? They did it. We don't know how far. Capernaum's not that big. But they carried him maybe half a mile. Maybe up to a mile. And then when they got there, the meeting was full. I mean, it was just full of people. I mean, you know the kind that would get disciples happy. Peter and James are probably over there going, man, do you look at the crowds? And Matthew, he's a tax collector. He's going, I know, I can't believe it. There are exactly 373 people there today. (laughs) It's counting it all up. Everybody's real happy. Except you read this passage in Luke you actually find out that it was not only filled up with people who needed something from Jesus, it was actually filled up with people who didn't even care for him. Pharisees, scribes, teachers of the law, they're just looking for a reason to catch him in his words. Can you imagine church services filled with people who don't love Jesus? Who just looking for a reason why not? Why we're we're, we're going to leave and go somewhere else? I'm telling you. Here, here, here's what happened. And these four men get to the. They can't even get close to the door. Now they have carried this man. Who knows how far? And the first time they lift him, they lift him from where he was left. Now they have to lift him where to the roof. They lift him to the roof. Now, we know it's hard enough to just carry somebody. Now, you're going to lift a man to a roof with his bed. It says, when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Can I just encourage you that you may need to overcome some obstacles when it comes to reaching people for Christ. You're going to have to overcome some stuff. You know, if you come in the parking lot, you brought your friend to church, and man, you're here in the second service, and you walked in the door, and there's five of you together, and you can't find five seats, and the coffee ran out, and they're trying to change it out. There's no coffee. The half and half is out. You know, we didn't have your favorite pumpkin spice creamer. You just straight back out to the parking lot. Well, let's just go. 
What? I brought my neighbor and I just knew that everything was going to work out just fine and we'd, we'd all be able to sit. Are you kidding me? You might have to overcome some obstacles. I mean, and, and they're big. Sit by somebody you don't know. I'm telling uh, members, you might have to slide over. We, we stopped putting name plates on the pews a long time ago. <laughs> uh, let me just say it to you this way. It's work to lift a paralyzed man to a roof. You ever try to win somebody to Christ over an extended amount of time? It's work. It's work. Don't expect, man, man, I got really anointed. I was up in the morning. I was singing Maverick City. Man, I just know today, when I walk into my job, the glory's going to fall. You might just have to work. You might, you might actually have to go the extra mile. Now, it don't make good, wise sense to pull a paralyzed man up on a roof. Number one, he can't climb up. Lord knows. I mean, he can get down. It ain't going to be pretty. Would you as a church commit to overcoming some obstacles? Would you, in this season of harvest, you're going to have to say, I'm going to keep reaching. No matter how many times I'm rejected. No matter how many times I feel like they made it personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Stop making it personal. You're going to have to keep feeding. You say, why don't they get a job? Why don't you just keep feeding? Why don't you keep reaching? Why don't you keep serving? Why don't you keep praying? And by by all means, don't give up. Don't give up. Just because it doesn't work out the first time how you thought, man, you finally got some people to walk with and then you hit an option. Don't give up. We better not give up because culture is not going to give up. The voices on this planet are not going to give up. Let me show you the third way they lifted him. I love this. They lifted him from where he was. They now have overcome obstacles and they lifted him to the roof. But the third way they lifted him was in faith. This is what Jesus says. He looked on them. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralytic, not the one who was in need of the healing and the forgiveness. He did not look at his faith. Faith, After all, we don't know that he had any. But what did God respond to? He responded to the faith of the ones who would stand together, go and find somebody where life had laid them, and who said, I'm going to overcome some obstacles. Matter of fact, these tiles on this roof are in my way. So what did they do in faith? They got down on the roof and began. The word in in Luke, tile, means mixture of clay and straw. 
they tore back the tiles. And then Jesus said, I see your faith. Could it be that when we go to such lengths that it actually costs us something, that it's in those moments that God says, oh, I see your faith. I see your faith because you really believe. You say, what do you mean it cost them something? Somebody had to pay to replace the roof. Y'all didn't think about that? Jesus just comes, has a meeting, leaves the meeting, and now there's a hole in the roof. Somebody fixed the house. It was probably those four guys. And Jesus said, I see your faith. What's their faith? Their faith is, if I can get this one I've been trying to reach to his feet, I know he will deliver because I know who he is. I know who he is. And you see, that's, that's, you, you see are you sure about that? Yes, yes. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God for one, for he who comes to God must, what? Believe that he is. Let me explain that to you. That means we must believe that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he goes, I am going to believe you're a savior, you're a healer, you're a restorer. I believe it. And that you will reward. What's the reward? That is when I believe who you are, the results of who you are will manifest in the lives I am bringing to you. Do you have that kind of faith? I wonder what would happen if a whole church started having faith that there isn't a single life beyond the reach of God. Oh, man, somebody right now is waking up this morning with a hungover headache. Somebody is picking their face, still tweaking. I know you just want to go knock on your neighbor's door and you go, want to go get the easy ones. But God is, God is dreaming about some folks who are paralyzed, who can't help themselves. And I wonder if God wouldn't find some laborers who would go and dare to lift some people who can't help themselves, but would find themselves in the presence of a God who would heal because not of the paralyzed person's faith, but of the one who dared to carry them to Christ. What if we used our faith to see people changed by Jesus? Here's what would happen. The harvest would abound. The harvest would abound. Well, let, me, let me give you this one final little statement. The third thing that laborers do is laborers let down. Uh-oh. Now, in our common language, when I say that laborers let down, you think to yourself, well, I've let some people down. I've failed some people. I've done some things the wrong way and probably, uh, you know, didn't, didn't portray Christ in the right way and the way I was talking, the way I was walking, the way I was living. I didn't portray his love, his grace, his mercy. I didn't do that. And I let people down. Well, I'm just going to let you know that that is one possible way of letting people down. But I want to just tell you that there's another way that produces a better result. Why don't you look at it with me? Mark 2, 4, it says, And then when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which 
the paralytic was lying. Laborers will let a paralyzed person down into the care of Christ. By the way, this is part of our faith. Let me help you understand it in a little better way. I would like to see the hand of maybe the one person in here. You're per- perhaps you're the only professional here. Would I, could, could somebody show me the hand of the person who is the professional person changer? I would like to see who you are. Where, where is the professional person? Oh, there is none. Anybody ever tried to change anybody? How'd that work out? That doesn't work, does it? You know what you have to do? You have to go find somebody where they are, overcome some obstacles, have the kind of faith that costs you something, and then let them go to the work of the Holy Spirit. Let them down in the presence of God. That's why I tell people all the time, just get them, just bring them. Bring them to this place. Bring them to this place. Why? Why? Why would you say that? Because there's not only a why, but there's a when. There's not only a why you would bring someone to the feast. There's a when. You say, what's the when of letting somebody down? Here it is. It says, when they had broken through. This is a metaphor about what it means to get a breakthrough in the spirit in prayer before you bring somebody to Christ. I'm telling you, for years this church has been on their knees and we've been tearing at the roof that's been keeping people from an encounter with God. But I'm here to announce to you that the time of breakthrough has come, that harvest is now, and it's time we go pick up some people. And we bring them, overcome some obstacles, and then say, oh, Jesus, I'm putting them in your hands. I'm lowering them down to your care. Never try to do what God alone accomplishes in the human soul through Christ. Never try to do that. We let God change lives. I can remember when I was first radically set free, age 21. I'm working in this store. I began to dream of ministry. I knew I had a call of God on my life. I was working in retail management, just taking over this store. I'm like, Lord, I'm ready to leave everything. I'll go to the mission field. I'll go to Russia. I'll go anywhere. I'm dreaming about souls and preaching, and I have no idea what I'm doing. None, no idea. And I'm dreaming, I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? I'll plant a church, I'll, I'll go overseas, I'll preach conference, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I'll never forget what the Lord said. Doug and Larry. Now, I knew who he was talking about because those were two guys who were on my staff who I'd hired out of sympathy. I'm like, no, Lord. Uh, okay, yeah, you want to do something with that? No, tell me the big stuff. Tell me the big stuff you want to do. Doug and Larry. I 
I said, okay, God. That's my assignment. Two guys. That's what I'll do. Nine months of watching these guys destroy their lives on drugs, chasing relationships, preaching to them, reaching to them, showing them the power of God, seeing other lives changed around them. I'm praying. I'm reaching. I'm doing all I know to do. One month, two months, four months, six months, seven months, eight months. And at the ninth month, early in the morning, I was going into my store. And I see one of them, Doug, is standing there at the door. And he's in a t-shirt and he is shaking and trembling early in the morning. He had come off the worst acid trip that he had been on. There had been a gang fight, all kinds of stuff went on. And he's standing at the door. And we unlocked the door. In just a couple of moments, we turned a retail establishment into an altar. And he gave his life to the Lord right there. His life, his life radically changed. He's, he's been on the mission field. He's seen so many people healed. God has used him in incredible ways. But the other guy, man, what a tough nut. I'd known him for the longest. He had seen this radical change in my life, how God had changed my life. Here I am, month 10, month 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And we get to month 18. Finally, in month 18, the second name that God gave me bowed his heart and bent his knee to Christ, and his life was forever changed. It took nine months, a lot of work, a lot of lifting, and a lot of lowering to give birth to the first. And it took a lot of lifting with other people other friends I was running with who God was changing their lives and we began to just tag team and work and preach. It took nine months to birth the first and nine months to birth the second. And I want to tell you, it was worth all the prayers, all the reaching, the early mornings, the late nights, the calls in the middle of the night. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I'm broken. I'm addicted. I'm going through all this stuff. And it was the same thing. Every time Jesus is the answer, he will meet you right there. He will meet you right there. I'm here to tell you today, church, we need to be laborers who say, I'm going to let some people down. To the feet of Jesus. I'm going to trust that he will bring the change in his time. My job is to lift, find them where they are, overcome the obstacles, and get the breakthrough. Now, I mentioned to you in this place that you may be here and you're like, man, I, I can't imagine doing anything for God because I don't even have a relationship with God. Well, I just want to tell you, you're in good hands. You found some people who are willing to carry you. You may feel paralyzed, addicted. Man, I'm broken. My marriage is falling apart. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't seem to get it together. I don't know. I'm searching for answers, but I don't know what to do. Here, I would just say, I don't know how you got here today. Perhaps, perhaps some, some friends carried you. 
Maybe they've even overcome some obstacles. Maybe they've even talked to you and said, talked to you and said, hey, maybe you should come with me. Somehow they got you here, and here's what they're doing right now. They're just letting you down. Say, I want you to have your own encounter with God. Kids in this room, you can't live your life before God through your parents' experience with him. Parents, you've got to let them down. And if you're here and you feel paralyzed and trapped, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm hopeless. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I came to give you a word straight from Jesus. If you'll receive it, your sins are forgiven. This is what he says over you today. Arise and walk. Take up your mat, your bed, and go your way. I love this about Jesus because right now in a paralyzed state, you don't even see how this is possible. I'm here to tell you what Jesus does is he, Jesus gives us dominion over the things that used to dominate us. What dominated the paralytic was his bed. But one moment in forgiveness and healing that flows through Jesus, the paralytic is now dominating the thing that used to dominate him. This is who Jesus is. This is what he does. And if you're here today and you feel paralyzed, I've got good news. You're in the presence of a healer. You're in the presence of one who loves you, who came, died for you, was buried, and on the third day raised from the dead. And he says, all who place faith in me, I will give you eternal life. Your sins are forgiven. Arise.